0: on this edition of the Iowa Business Report.
1: And it's something that Iowans should be proud of. It highlights the magnitude of what we're facing. So every legislator is hearing that just as I was as I'm traveling the state.
0: A statewide initiative to help prepare Iowa's workforce has not only bipartisan support, but now results to share as well. Now that trade deals with China and Japan are complete, the focus is on Europe and in our profile segment, Sports as Business. This is the Iowa Business Report for Leap Year Weekend 2020.
2: The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. The Iowa Association of Business and Industry has been the voice of Iowa business since 1903. Learn more online at IowaABI.org. Here is Jeff Stein.
0: Developing a workforce is ever-changing. Not only do you need an ample number of people, but they have to be skilled in the right areas. Future Ready Iowa is a state-sponsored initiative with broad support on both sides of the political aisle and from Iowa's businesses and educational entities as well. It's been a prime focus of Governor Kim Reynolds during her time in office. During a conversation in her state capitol office recently, I asked her how Future Ready Iowa came about, why she found it necessary, and what the goal is for the effort.
1: As I traveled the state and talked to business and industry and job creators, at every single stop they would say to me, My gosh, our company is growing double-digit growth. We're really optimistic, excited about the future. I can't find workers, and they they would say it to me like I wasn't aware of it. And it just every and it doesn't matter small, medium, large companies. It was the same response that I was hearing from, from all of them. And so I we recognized that this was the biggest barrier that we faced when it came to continued economic development and really reaching the capacity that I believe we have in the state of Iowa. So we brought all stakeholders together. We created the Future Ready Iowa Alliance. We really walked through what we're currently doing. How can we build on that? We, we, we looked at some other states to see kind of what they had done. Tennessee Promise was something that we had looked at. We also had received a national Governors Association grant to work on workforce issues. So we had a really good foundation to build from from that. They met for a year. They made recommendations. We took those rec- recommendations. We put them into bill format and Future Ready Iowa was, in, was launched three years ago with unanimous support. So um, I really appreciated everybody's efforts in really figuring out what that looked like.
0: That to me is so important because we are in such a hypercharged political environment nationally. I don't think it's as bad here, luckily, but still being able to say you went 100 percent. Yeah, That does not happen often. That tells us it's a, an issue that People really have embraced.
1: Yeah, and I'm so appreciative, and I talk about that a lot because I do think it's not normal and it's something that Iowans should be proud of that their Mm -hmm. representatives um, can find a way to work together and put Iowans first. But I also think that it highlights the magnitude of what we're facing. So every legislator is hearing that just as I was as I'm traveling the state. Um, But so then we put it in place and we tried to think of ways to bring innovation into the programs and, and give local areas and communities the chance to identify what the gap was there, create a program, and provide some state matching funds. That's been so successful. It's incredible, the cooperation and the innovation that I'm seeing from communities that have been, been awarded the Employer Innovation Fund. And then the last one is the Last Dollar Scholarships, which is the last dollar in for Um, new high school students graduating or adults that are wanting to retrain or reskill and then get matched up with one of the high demand uh, jobs. Three years ago, we created Futurity Iowa. Last year, we funded it again, unanimous support.
0: Getting it passed unanimously was one thing. Well, it's easy in concept to be for something, but when dollars are attached that is almost even more monumental, isn't it? I
1: know, I mean it's incredible. And then in a really short timeline, we got those dollars out the door. So that's a tribute to um, Iowa College Aid as well as the community colleges across the state really helped in us delivering the funding to individuals but gosh even at the state fair I had kids coming up and saying I applied for this and I got the funding and I couldn't believe it and I wouldn't have gone if it hadn't have been for this amazing success stories um, and it's it's it 6,000 Iowans are taking advantage of that and we can build on that so that's 6,000 Iowans that are going to be infused into you know the talent pipeline 80 percent of them are adults so we really are Getting individuals who are working two or three jobs or just need to be retrained so that they can advance uh, in the profession that they're in. But I I think that's incredible, too.
0: Cynical people would say, wait, efficiency in government. What what is this all about? (laughs) I know. But but to the point about the, the, we'll say, adult learners, the ones who are going back, when you find that your chosen field kind of has hit a brick wall Mm -hmm. or a ceiling. Mm -hmm. You already have family obligations, a mortgage, car payments. You can't just quit to go retrain without a little bit of incentive. And this is just exactly the prescription.
1: Yeah, it really does help with all of that. And a lot of the communities are... Are being creative they're using the last dollar scholars and then through the employer innovation fund they're providing those wraparound services so maybe helping with daycare or helping with food I mean you know these are individuals that are have hit some pretty tough times and so that's a part of just those wraparound services to help make them um, successful but it's it's just it's really exciting to see the impact that that can have on Iowans moving forward
0: and again this is the sort of thing that we've heard about conceptually for some years this really is the first First fiscal year where we see tangible results and success stories and that has to be massively gratifying.
1: Yeah it's so so exciting um, and early reports we'll we'll have a better update here um, shortly has indicated that they're doing really well in the community colleges so they the grades are good they're staying with it so we have any every anticipation that they will complete and be successful so I think that's great and the thing is too so this gets them into the job they have the the degree or the registered apprenticeship program certificate whatever that may be but you know that completion is also just a confidence builder and so I think we'll see a lot of them continue to advance in their career once they get you know through this first step
0: that's such an interesting point because for some people they have gone along and things have been fine but they have not been able to attain a goal of Mm -hmm, some kind, mm -hmm. a a seemingly far off goal. And so I had not really thought of it in this way, but the sense of accomplishment is much more than just the piece of paper.
1: It's huge. And those are the stories I really love. I mean, you know, you can tell they are so proud of the fact that they have completed something, that they have a certificate that ties them to um, a, a career basically and you know the thing is when we talk about adult learners with technology it's changing by the minute and so we have to help Iowans retrain and reskill and just become lifelong and adaptable learners because I don't see that slowing down at all so I think we're all gonna be dealing with that as we watch uh, technology and innovation you know creep into every single aspect of what we do on a daily basis
0: Iowa's business and industry community has been a real partner in this even those who might compete with one another because they do realize we need a very good workforce here talk about how that unique public-private i don't want to say partnership per se but no it that, is but No, that, you are correct okay. it has
1: been an incredible mm-hmm. public-private partnership with the business and industry Um, industry. ABI has been incredible to helping us drive uh, employer-led roundtables across the state, really bringing the community together, education, nonprofits, everybody, business and industry, and talking about how they can utilize the program. I've been very grateful. Iowa Business Council, same thing. So we're in it. It's kind of the perfect storm. They all need employees so desperately. They really have been a critical, critical component of all of this and same thing with work-based learning and the registered apprenticeship programs that we're bringing into the high schools you know it doesn't happen without a business a community college and a high school so they really are an integral part of that and uh, I really just appreciate them driving the information helping us identify individuals that we can get into these programs and just giving Iowans the opportunities to advance and to be employed by one of their businesses and have a better quality of life is is, uh, awesome
0: Governor Kim Reynolds and I spoke in her office in the state capitol in Des Moines on February 12th. More information about the program is online at futurereadyiowa.gov. Still to come, the importance of new trade deals in Europe. And you'll learn about a sports team that looks to score on the ice and with fans. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report.
2: The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com.
0: The United Kingdom has now left the European Union. That means the ability for the U.S. to negotiate separate trade deals with the U.K. and the E.U., I asked U.S. Senator Joni Ernst about the impact of these potential new trade deals on Iowa manufacturing and agriculture.
3: This is an issue that I'm working on with a number of my colleagues, and this is very bipartisan. So I have sent a letter to the uh, USTR, the trade rep, uh, Bob Lighthizer, urging our administration to go ahead and prioritize negotiating a trade deal with the UK. This is a a great opportunity for Iowa because now the UK will uh, be able to purchase our crops and the goods that are made here in Iowa. It really could be a huge boon for our state and, of of course, others across the Midwest as well.
0: How optimistic are you that we are going to be able to resolve those negotiations as satisfactorily as we have recent ones with China and Japan?
3: I actually think this is a a great opportunity. And both sides, the UK Trade Secretary and Robert Lighthizer, they have been meeting. And both sides are very eager to get a deal in place. And so uh, what we have heard is that official negotiations could start within weeks. And so it does sound very, very promising. We've had some great wins with the USMCA and the Uh, China phase one trade deal, the Japan trade deal. Here we go. Bring it on, UK. We're we're happy to work with them.
0: U.S. Senator Joni Ernst spoke to me from her office in Washington, D.C. this past Wednesday morning. Up next, you cheer for your favorite team, but they're an important part of the local economy as well. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report.
2: The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry, helping develop the next generation of business leaders through Leadership Iowa, Business Horizons, and Leadership Iowa University. To learn more, go to iowaabi.org.
0: In this week's profile segment, fans are used to cheering for their favorite local teams, often turning out in person to show their support. But while wins and losses are important on the field of play, score is being kept in a different way in the front office. These sports teams are businesses and play an important role in the economic health of a region. The United States Hockey League, the USHL, has five teams who call rinks in Iowa home. The Sioux City Musketeers, the Cedar Rapids Rough Riders, the Dubuque Fighting Saints, the Des Moines Buccaneers, and the Waterloo Blackhawks, where Joe Green serves as president of business operations.
4: The Waterloo Blackhawks are a member of the United States Hockey League, which is the Tier 1 Junior Hockey League in the United States of America. So there are several different levels of junior hockey. It's not professionals, they're not paid, ages 16 to 20 years old. Players will come, and we have several high school players on our team that attend Waterloo West High School during the day, and then they come practice in the afternoon. Uh, But we also have a group of players on our team that um, have graduated high school, and they're kind of in that in-between high school and college. So what it does is it, it buys them some time to physically and mentally develop. Players in our league can actually go to college at 21 years of age and still have all four years of eligibility remaining to play college hockey. Players develop at different at a different pace, right? Not everybody develops the same, both mentally or physically. So this model allows players to develop uh, themselves at a rate which where they're maybe more comfortable with the level of competition. It's a very high level of competition. It's the very top of it's the best of the best in the United States. I think it's like 95 percent of the players in the United States Hockey League go on to earn a Division One college scholarship to play hockey. So a very high percentage. That's why players like our league. It presents our players with a with a very significant opportunity and and really sets them up to have some success depending depending on how hard they want to work. Ultimately, very strong presence of junior hockey in the state of Iowa. It's a, you know all five clubs tend to be. Very very strong on the ice, um, but I think it, just as important off of the ice in terms of developing these, really sometimes kids that come in at 16 years old. It's their first time away from home, from from family. They're living with a with a billet or housing family uh, that they've got to get comfortable with. Some you know first time speaking English if they're coming from overseas. We've had players from Japan, the Czech Republic, so it can be a, a challenge. I think that development piece off of the ice is is really critical, uh, and but it's also very important to these Iowa teams for sure.
0: That's something that I think many who don't follow the teams closely just don't understand. These are not just kids from the area. You have to, and this is another component of your business model, you attain the rights to a player who might be coming from halfway across the country or halfway around the world, You now have to worry about finding them local housing, getting them involved in the local K-12 school system. This is a whole different responsibility for someone in your position and your staff than if it were, shall we say, professional minor league baseball at the single a level very very different situation
4: very different and I I come from a background at the minor league professional level so I've been there you know I spent several seasons with professional paid players who are living on their own they have their own they're in charge of their own living arrangements you know they've got a uh, salary and and they've got a budget They've, they've got to live in what I guess we'll call the real world but the players that we're dealing with you're right they are they are um ready to be molded, but they need some assistance in that, right? Because no parents, no family, uh, Many, most of them are from outside of the state. So you're really relying on your, your coaching staff. We have a housing director. We have a tutor at the school who helps, you know, personally tutor these players. Uh, it takes a village, really. It ultimately does to to make these players feel comfortable, to make them feel welcome, because it, it's really a tough position. And we've seen that very rarely have we seen players say, you know what, I miss home and I'm out of here, but uh it certainly can happen, it's natural.
0: You have a team that plays in the municipal arena, so you have a lease with the city, but this is a business. A lot of fans are interested in the team, but you're running a business. What are some of the challenges? And I'll call it sports and entertainment because I think that's the dollar you're competing for. What are some of the challenges or changes in the sports and entertainment business at this level that have come up in recent years as opposed to when you started in sports management earlier?
4: It's a great question. It's a question, I think, every executive who, who works for a sports team asks themselves every day, you know, how do we overcome these challenges that are that are much different than they were 10, 15 years ago? Um, you know, it used to be that our competition on a Friday or Saturday night was a movie theater, a restaurant, a bowling alley, another live event. And that's changed uh, with access from phones, tablets, iPads, smart TVs, HD video quality access to about just about every sporting event across the country it makes it very easy for people to stay at home uh, and and uh, they can access everything and get behind the scenes up close looks right right on their phone so that's our challenge our challenge is how do we get people out of their homes and and back you know attending live sporting events and it's not just us it's College football, it's it's professional sporting events, Uh, and that's why you've seen such, I guess, a focus on improving the fan experience. Whether that's uh, more standing social spaces at sporting uh, live sporting events instead of just physical seats, and and, you know we try to constantly evaluate that. We do a lot of surveys and you know try to capture fan feedback to point us in the right direction. What are fans looking for when they you know what, what what is it going to take to get them to to again and uh you know the, there's a lot that goes into that there's a lot of we're constantly evaluating and analyzing that and there's no there's no easy answer
0: it's fascinating to think of it in the way you stated it because again in the old days you had to worry about my limited amount of discretionary dollars and Absolutely. did they go to a restaurant or a movie theater etc but now you have to find a way to get me out of my comfortable chair it might be a little snowy out in the winter and i think I could come see the Blackhawks or I could sit here in my comfy chair. That really is an entirely different way of going about fan attraction.
4: Absolutely. And, and you know, I'm a good example of that. I've got three kids. You know, if it's snowing out on a Saturday night and I know I've got to it's going to be crowded and I've got to drop them off and i got to find a parking spot and walk through snow and then stand in line. I think a lot of people think, oh, that just seems like a lot of stress. You know, I mean, it's a lot easier if we just order a pizza and watch the game on our our TV, on our smart TV. Sure. That's really what we're up against. It really is. So how do we make our live experience the Mm -hmm. absolute best where you feel like this is the place to be on a weekend in the Cedar Valley? Every sports team in in America is asking themselves that question. Mm -hmm. What's it going to take? How do we evolve? How do we change? uh, And how do we – remain attractive so that people feel like they're $15, $20, $50, depending on the sporting event, that, that it makes it worth it. We feel very, very confident. Uh, in our product when in terms of game experience so uh, when you come to a game in in young arena you know our staff we put a lot of time and effort into making sure that you're entertained that entertainment piece that you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation here it's not just about sports it's it's about entertaining fans for and, and you know frankly attention spans are very are probably shorter than ever uh, is what we're finding with people. So it's, we have to constantly be entertaining with, you know, with our video board, with different music, with different contests. Uh, it's nonstop. Uh, and you really can't afford to take a break at our level so uh, it's a constant challenge it's what we love about what we do Uh, it's not easy it's long hours Uh, it's it's a lot of sacrifice on nights and weekends but you know what it's 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 just so much fun to be a part of that that sporting community and uh, fortunately we've had a lot of success here in Waterloo we've got a tremendous coaching staff and and great team on the ice and every year's fun. Every year's a new opportunity. Every day's a new opportunity for us, and there's always another game.
0: Joe Green, president of business operations for the Waterloo Blackhawks, a tier one junior hockey team. One of five United States Hockey League teams in Iowa alone. More online at waterlooblackhawks.com. And that brings us to the close of this week's program, Next week, we'll hear about a school district that has partnered with businesses to help students be better prepared for their careers. And we'll meet a business owner whose job is to help CEOs get unstuck. That and more next week at this same time. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week.
2: The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry, sponsors of the Taking Care of Business Conference in Cedar Rapids in June. Follow ABI on Twitter at IowaABI and online at IowaABI.org.